Our first scripture reading this morning that I'll be reading is coming from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. I'll give you a second to find that if you'd like to follow along. 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 10. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. This is the word of the Lord. Week uh, one is in the books here. We got here uh, a week ago Thursday and had our first uh, Sunday last week, and so a, f- a full week in Illinois, and it's been, uh, it's been a fun adventure. We've been trying to just learn everything and, and, and see what, what everything is about around here. So we've done all kinds of stuff. I, I didn't bring a checklist, but I bought a Cubs hat this week, which was pretty exciting. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I mean, I guess I'm just going to embrace it. I don't know if there's are there White Sox fans here, too. I'll get, I'll get a hat. Okay. I'll get a hat there, too. I, I don't, you know, whatever. We're just, I don't know if it's. Uh, yeah, you can get me a Packers hat or a Bears hat. I don't, at this point, I don't care. I'm up in the air, right? I'm, I'm up for grabs. I'm a free agent. So um, whatever, whatever. So, but yeah, we've, we've uh, you know, one of the things that we really cared about a lot um, was finding good Mexican food. And uh, so we found Dos Amigos in, um, in Byron, and that'll do. It's, it's you know, I was, we were impressed. We were so we just thought, if we could find one place that we like, we'll be all right. We can survive. So uh, we've noticed the food isn't quite as hot or spicy from, from what we're used to, but uh, we'll, we'll get the hang of that as well. So, um, But my favorite thing that we found so far might be the coolest uh, store that I've ever been to. Anybody guess what it is? Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Have y'all been? <laughs> Did you know about this place? It's awesome. Uh, I, I mean, it's like, it's like a toy store for grown adults. It's awesome. You can buy a kayak or a lawnmower or fishing gear. It's great. Anything you need for your house is there. I'm, it was awesome. I'm just, yeah, my wife's not going to let me go there very much, I don't think. But, man, that's a cool place. I, I've loved that. So, anyway, we're getting, getting the hang of some of this. And, uh, but it's been, it's been fun. So, um, as we begin our time this morning, I'm curious to, to know if any of you know who uh, this, there's a picture here. Does anybody know who that guy is? I didn't figure anybody would. We'll get to him in just a second. Does anybody know this next guy? Does he look familiar to any of you? Okay. Um, that guy is a, is a, a well, he doesn't, he's not alive anymore, but his name is Forrest Finn. Has anybody heard of the name Forrest Finn before? Oh, man, then you guys are in for a treat. You need to know about this guy. So um, just to fill you in a little bit, this guy is like one of those true eccentric millionaires, okay? He was like an antiques and art dealer. He was in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and he did all kinds of things. He was a pilot and an adventurer and explorer and all this kind of stuff. But 
he, he, he really, he was grieving that people weren't going outside anymore. And he thought, you know, I have the ability to do something about that. And so he, this guy fills a chest of gold. This is a real story. This is not made up. This guy takes, gets a bunch of gold pieces and jewels and all kinds of crazy stuff, like a pirate's chest. And he fills it up, and then he goes and hides it. And so he writes a poem in 2010 um, that was kind of autobiographical, a little bit about his life. Um, but in it, he said, contain the clues to find this treasure. And that he, were, you know, he didn't tell anybody where he'd hit it, obviously, but um, he said, you, if you pay attention to the clues of this poem, you'll figure it out. And so for a decade, this wild adventure took place, and he finally kind of told people, it's in the Rocky Mountains somewhere. So, you know, New Mexico all the way up into Montana, in that, in that somewhere is where it's going to be. And, and there's estimates that like over 300,000 people went looking for this. Like this was a, a giant Easter egg hunt for, for over a decade. And, and, and I know people from where I'm from, there are people that actually went um, uh, and, and did this and would spend their summers like, hey, we're going to go take a week vacation. We're going to go in the mountains and we'll explore and look in, you know, through some of the places we think based on the clues. So... Um, I, I, I love his idea, though. I love this guy, you know, had the ability uh, to do something about feeling like people need to get out and have an adventure. And, and you know, maybe if I was a crazy millionaire, I would, I would do something like this. I don't know. But um, just kind of a fun idea. But in the, in the summer of 2020, news came out that an, an anonymous man had, f- had found the treasure. And, and, and it kind of made news, but we didn't know anything about it. And then finally, uh, because there was a lawsuit... The, the guy's identity was revealed. And it was the first guy I showed you. It was a, the younger guy. Uh, he was a 32-year-old uh, student. Uh, his name is Jack Stoof. And he's actually from Michigan. So he was a medical student from Michigan who, who heard about this and just said, you know what, I'm, I, I want to know more. And so he, he, what he did is he just made this his life's kind of pursuit in, in the, when he wasn't, you know, like studying for medical school. He would spend his summers, you know, in, in the Rocky Mountains. And he, he said, I've read everything that, this, that, that Forrest Finn ever wrote. I listened to every interview he ever gave. I just became obsessed with the clues. And, and this guy apparently, he's brilliant, and, and just started deducing things. And he finally, he figured it out. And, and we found out that it was in an undisclosed location in Wyoming is where he finally found the treasure. This May, just a couple of months ago, we got back in the news that, that it was in Yellowstone National Park. Um, because, again, there's a lawsuit. There were some people who felt like they were cheated and that somebody had moved the treasure and they wanted to know where it had originally been because they thought they should be entitled to it because they think they found it first. And you know how lawyers get involved and just turn everything interesting. So it was in Yellowstone, but they're trying not to let people know where because they're afraid people will come tear it up. And Anyway, so... But, but this guy, Jack, had a burning passion, and, and, and he came up with a plan, and, and he was very methodical. He just worked this plan and finally got it done. And, and thousands of people were crushed when the treasure had finally been found, when, when news came out that it had been found. And so you saw a picture of that chest. This was Jack uh, returning it to Forrest and just said, look, I want you to—this is proof that I found it. So that's, you know, that's him— Right before he died, by the way, they, some, he was happy somebody found it before he passed away. But that's, 
that's what the chest looked like and brought out of the ground where this and and now the guy's figuring out how he's going to get his money but there were, there were supposedly five people who, who died looking for the treasure, going places they shouldn't have gone and like getting swept away in rapids and stuff like that. There was actually a guy from, um, I'll say it wrong, probably Batavia, Illinois, um, who, who went and searched for it, and, and, and he, he uh, died in Wyoming. Apparently, he was actually kind of close. But this morning, I want to talk about what it means to pursue treasure. And, and you guys are all very smart, so I'm sure you've already figured out um, we're not talking about gold this morning when we talk about pursuing treasure. But it does leave me kind of wondering, right, how hard would I work if somebody gave me a map uh, f- to, to treasure worth f- like $3 million, which is what they say this, this chest is probably worth. How hard would I work if somebody said, hey, here, figure this out. What about you? What would you do to, to go about that? Uh, so let me pray for us, and then we'll, and I'm going to read our passage for this morning, which is Proverbs 2. Father, would you help us to hear your word this morning? Would you help us to make it real in our lives, not just, not just a sermon, not just a, a lesson that we hear, God, but there would be part of who we are. Guide us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to read out of Proverbs 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. So this is a a somewhat familiar proverb. And and if you've read many of the proverbs, you'll notice that they sound familiar, right? A lot of them sound very much the same. And, and you probably haven't heard a whole lot of sermons uh, on Proverbs, and, and that's because they're, they're, they're tricky to preach on. The way they are interpreted and, 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 and what they are, are, are meant to be, just, it, makes, it makes it hard uh, to do any kind of expositional sermon and, and to try to go verse by verse. So the, the Proverbs were written to be quick, memorable f- phrases that, that come to mind in, in various situations. And so I'm just going to give you uh, just a quick uh, little instruction on, on, on guidance when, when you read through the Proverbs. One of the, the most important principles about the Proverbs is, is to know that they are not promises by God. Rather, they are, uh, Proverbs are, are, are the way that life generally goes, okay? Proverbs are probable outcomes. These are the, this is the way things ought to be, the way things normally will be. 
They are not guaranteed outcomes. So take, for example, a modern proverb like, an apple a day keeps the doctor away, right? It's memorable. You guys have probably heard that, I think, a lot in your life, right? It's a, a common phrase. That we would call that a proverb. It's, it's, a, it's a short, pithy way, if you will, to, to capture an idea, right? If you eat a fruit, you'll be healthy, er, right? That's kind of the idea. Um, but it's not a guarantee. It's not, it's not a, like you can't sue somebody over the fact that if it doesn't come true, right? If you eat an apple every day, at some point you'll have to go to the doctor, right? That's, you might be healthier than the average person. It, it might help you from going to the doctor all the time. So does that make that a violation of the proverb if, if somebody who eats an apple has to go to the doctor? No, it's not a violation, right? Again, a proverb is just the best case scenario, the way things ought to be, the way things normally would be. I remember when I was uh, teaching at a Christian school and, and there were posters and t-shirts everywhere of, of Proverbs 22.6. And it's the one that says, like, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are older, they will not depart from it. You guys probably remember this one. And as parents, you, we've, we've all clung to it, right? Um, and, I, and I remember meeting wonderful people there when I started at that school, and, and, and their kids are making awful decisions and, and just doing terrible things. And, and they would come to me and they would say, well, don't worry, because, right, I put them in this Christian school, that means God will absolutely make sure that everything t- is fine, right? Because Proverbs 22.6 says they won't depart from it when they're later in life. Just FYI, if somebody's saying that to you about their child, this is not a great time to give them a hermeneutical principle to say, look, I, I really want to give you some instructions on how to read through the Proverbs, right? It doesn't work that way very well. Um, but you and I know that's not the way it always goes, Is it the best case scenario? Yeah, that's always the best choice to raise up your child uh, in truth and wisdom and and, in the ways of God, right? That's always the best way. But we all know people who've had, you know, experiences that are different than that, right? Something has happened. But that, because there are exceptions, doesn't mean we shouldn't do what the proverb says, right? The proverb is the best case scenario. It's what we ought to be doing. Right? We hear about the 100-year-old guy who smokes two packs of cigarettes a day and a pa- you know, pound of bacon every morning, and he's healthy as can be. And you go, well, gosh, maybe we should all do that. No, that's an exception to the rule. We should still eat an apple and, and you know, try to exercise and be healthy and stuff. That's the general principle. There will always be exceptions. So there's, there's your quick little just Bible study over, over Proverbs. They're great. It's the best case scenario. It's what you ought to do. It might not always look, there are exceptions to it, okay? So when we talk about Proverbs, we're looking for big ideas. What's the concept we should be going for? So what, what can we take with us? And that's our goal for this morning, right? Smack dab in the middle of summer. I need a, I need a reminder of something, the, the goal. What can I take with me. So what am I doing with my time, with my life? I need something, a theme, uh, something that can help me. And that's kind of what we're going to look at uh, as we look at this passage again. So imagine an older person talking to a younger person uh, as we read this. And I want you to notice there are these 
you know, we would call them if-then statements, right? Conditional. If you do this, then. And the first four verses are ifs, and the verse five is the then. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So, so, so the, what's the big idea, right? Do you want the knowledge of God? Do you want to be more like Christ? Then you have to be willing to hear truth, to submit to it, to humble yourself, to seek it, pursue it with intensity, with passion. So this is as simple as it gets, right? I, I could have had a two-minute sermon this morning, right? We could have just read that and said, if you want this, then do this. And that's it. Do we want that? Are we all where we want to be? Right? If that was the case, we wouldn't even probably need sermons anymore. We could just come in and sing and go home. Because we've all bec- we've become what we hope to be. But instead, I think, if, I, if I'm honest, maybe we're honest, we're, we're more like the audience of uh, the book of Hebrews, right? Remember where the author says, look, you guys should be eating meat. You should be masters of this stuff already. Why am I still having to ch- teach you like children, Right? You're still like babies drinking milk. You should be past this already. Why aren't we masters, right? Why aren't we further down the road where we want to be and seeking God and knowing his truth and living it out? Why aren't we there? Why do we get stagnant in our faith? Why don't we know the scriptures like we ought to? And if I'm honest, I think it goes back to that idea of treasures again. If, if those things were more important to me, my life would probably look different. If I really cared about growing in my faith more, I would grow in my faith more. But the truth is, I don't probably pursue my faith like, I'm, uh, like I was searching for a $3 million treasure. I, I mean, can you imagine if I told you I hid $3 million in this building somewhere this morning. Would you guys go home after the sermon? I don't think so, right? You probably wouldn't leave until somebody found it. You'd probably skip lunch. I don't don't have that same kind of intensity for God like I ought to a lot of times in my life. I want to show you a picture of something in just a second. It's something that I hate. It's okay to hate when it's this category, okay? This is something that has kept me up at night in my life. Something that can ruin my day, can ruin my mood, uh, ruin a whole lot of other things, okay? Let's see the picture of it. You probably can't see that very well. It's got little yellow flowers on it. Does anybody recognize what this is? You, yeah, you know what these are, right? I, I was kind of hoping they weren't in Illinois. Do you, okay, yeah. Look, do you guys recognize that? Somebody tell me what that is. It's a goat head. Yeah. Okay. The yellow flowers almost look pretty when you first see them, but if you get too close, you'll find out you don't want to be around these little yellow flowers. 
when we moved into our old house uh, back in, in Amarillo, uh, we were uh, unpleasantly surprised to find these little yellow guys everywhere. And when I mean everywhere, they were everywhere. In our front yard, in our backyard. We were moving in with a dolly with inflatable tires, and my tires went flat. And I went, what in the world's going on here? Can we go to the next picture? These little buggers. Do you know, now do you know what I'm talking about? Have you stepped on one of these? There's a meme that says anybody who stepped on one of these doesn't fear Legos anymore, right? Um, they're, they're nasty. You can see why they're called goatheads. I mean, they're strong. Like, they don't break. They stay put. They are the toughest little things in the world. They will, anything that you have outside, you riding lawnmower, done, right? You have to put the inflatable stuff in your tires if you have these here, right? You guys, ho- who, raise your hand if you know what the heck I'm talking about. I'm not a crazy person. Okay. There's like only, okay, there's not that many of you. Okay. I'm, that's good news for me. I've hoped nobody would know anything about these because they drive me up the wall. But I went on a mission, okay, at our last house. I went on a mission to eradicate these things. Like, Beth and I, I mean, Avery can, is joined in on it too. We were, I have spent countless hours on our hands and knees with like, you had to have like, a, like one of those gardening pads for your knees because if you touched them, they, you'd be bleeding. They're awful. So we pulled them as much as we could. We filled trash cans. We filled dumpsters with these things. They're huge. And when that wasn't enough, right, so we started researching, okay, how do you get rid of goat heads? And and, and it led us to all kinds of crazy methods. And, and somebody said, well, you know, get burlap and like put bricks on burlap and drag it through your yard and it'll pick up all the goat heads. And we tried that and it worked okay, but it didn't. It, and then somebody said, well, get giant pieces of styrofoam like out of refrigerator boxes, right? And just, so we made paths through our yard in styrofoam and we would walk on them and then you pick them up and you pull up the thousands of goat heads off that little sheet of styrofoam. I get a little worked up about this if you haven't figured it out. Like, <laughs> These things will drive me up the wall. And finally, somebody said kind of their last resort was, like, set your yard on fire. <laughs> and I did. There are, I, maybe I needed to show photos of this. I bought one of those torches, right, that people use to, like, melt asphalt. I, I set my yard on fire. We burned the thing up. And then we bought or rented a, um, there's like a yard vacuum, like a lawn vacuum. It's called like a billy goat, right? It's this giant, looks like a push lawnmower. We did the whole thing, and it was sucking up burnt goat heads. They still will get you, though, even if you've set them on fire. It doesn't burn them up. So it's a constant battle, and and if you read about it, people are like, it just takes years. Like there's no magic to these things. The, The little seeds can sit for 20 years. And still come up, like 20 years later. So they, they might be f- way underground, and they just decide that one day they're going to show up. My point is we realized we had a problem. And we had to come up with a plan to improve our situation, right? Our dogs couldn't go into the backyard because they it, it just, it was terrible. We just said, we gotta, we got to make this situation better. And I, and, I, and I had this goal. I said, Beth, someday I'm going to walk fearlessly through my backyard barefooted. That's the goal. There'll be a day that we'll get to do that. That was my vision. That was the definition of success. Right? If I could walk barefooted in my yard, I, I will have achieved the goal. And, and I would say this is like a lot of parts of our lives, right? Like, 
you and I have sat in a doctor's office at some point and realized, this is bad. I've got to do something about this, right? I need a plan. This isn't, this isn't okay, right? And, and your doctor gave you a full physical and an evaluation, and they said, you know, look, this is important. This has to get better. This number is not acceptable, right? Whatever number it is, it's got to get better. And they said, here's some, here's some material on reading how to, how to get better at this. Many of you have probably met with a financial planner, right? And, and they said, let's figure out your life. Let's figure out your whole situation, right? Where are you at? Let's, let me help you with this. And at the end of it, they say, or at least they said to me, hey, you've got to be doing better than this, right? This is, you gotta, we've got to pick this pace up, right? You're behind, you got to get better at, at this. Right? You'll never retire at this rate. Right? Unless you do something better, you're never going to get done. Let's come up with a plan. Some of you are thinking, what in the world is this guy talking about? He's losing his mind over weeds and stuff. My point is this, right? If, if, if I can have a goal for a yard, right? if I can have a goal for my health, if I can have a goal for my financial situation, and shouldn't I be doing something similar with my faith? Right? If I asked you, what's your health like? You could probably say, yeah, you know, my doctor's got me on this new blood uh, pressure medication. Right? My cholesterol is down six points. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm walking 30, days, 30 minutes a day now to, to kind of get my, you know, whatever's in better shape. Right? If I said, hey, what's your for- portfolio looking like? You probably would have rather me asked a year or two ago than today, but, right, you could tell me, hey, this, you know, this deal is up, I've got this annuity coming, whatever, and you could at least tell me something about your plan, right? I'm I'm, I'm having a really tough quarter right now, hopefully, whatever, I'm going to have to sell some stuff, and, but if I ask you how you were doing spiritually, would you be able to give me an answer, right? Most of us could say something like, well, you know, I think I'm doing I'm doing okay. But if, if we're honest, we, we would say, I don't, you know, we don't really know where we're at. We don't really know where we're going. We don't really know how we're going to get there. We, we come to church sometimes and, and, and everything's okay. Right? That, that, that's the answer most of us would probably get. How are you doing with prayer? How are you doing with studying God's Word? Are you being discipled by anyone right now? Are you making any disciples right now? Are there any spiritual disciplines that you are practicing? Are you giving generously to God and to His kingdom's plan? Are you helping others? How are you worshiping Him in your life? What are your struggles right now with, with how, are they, how are they doing with things like pride and lust and greed, right? Selfishness. My point is we usually find a way to do the things that we want to do. If you are a golfer and you love to golf, you typically try to find a way to get to the golf course. I had a goal to get rid of goat heads really bad in my yard. And some would say I maybe became consumed by it. I worked my fingers to the bone trying to accomplish that goal. 
And just a little side note, I had, had to smile as we were moving, taking my dolly across the yard. I didn't get any flat tires. And, and there was an afternoon, I, I did walk barefooted in my backyard. And I was a select place. I knew a, there were places I would definitely not walk barefooted in my backyard. We didn't get there. We were closing in on our goal. We were making progress. But what about seeking God and his righteousness? What goals do I have there? So my challenge for you is this. We're, we're all in the process of, of starting a new chapter. Right here, here at Kish and, and, and in our lives too, right? And, and I, I think the summer is, is the perfect time, right? Maybe a little bit of a break from some of the, the chaos. Why don't we spend a few, uh, spend some time in the next few weeks kind of examining where, where are you in your faith, in your relationship with Christ? And, and then coming up with a plan of what it, would it look like to take the next step and the next step. Where, where do you want to go? Where do you want to be? Right, it makes sense that we have doctors who can help us in, in our health journey, right? So we don't have to do it on our own. And it help, makes sense that we have financial planners right, to help us know what to do. I wouldn't have a clue, right? That's not anything that I know anything about. But luckily there are people who do who can help me. And so this is an invitation. If you want to come and talk with me about that anytime, let's do it. I'm, 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 I'm in. We can, you can take me to some restaurant that I haven't tried yet, right? Because I'm all about trying new places. I, I don't know if there's coffee around here. I'm in, right? Let's go. You, you may know Jordan better. He would love to sit down and talk with you about some of your goals. Where are you, right? And, and maybe there's other people. I'm, I know there's people in this room that would love to do that with you as well, right? Just go to lunch and say, hey, Here's where I think I'm struggling. Have you encountered that? What does that look like in your life? It's an easy process. It's an easy conversation. I want to be here someday. You seem like a person who's further along this journey than I am. How how did you get there? What did that look like for you? How do you read your Bible? I find it hard. Can you help me? That's, That's where we're headed with this, right? That's where we need to be going. Just start this process to say, look, I want to be something more than I am in my life with Christ right now. Because if, if you're there, if I'm there, right, then there's a process that we can follow. We can't stay where we are. We are always supposed to be growing. We need to have a plan. We need to pursue it like a treasure. So let me close with the words of Paul in Philippians 1.9. He said, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, I'm amazed that you know us. You know, each one of us, everything about us, after all that, you love us. Father, would you help us to know you? 
Father, it is hard at times. There are distractions. There are struggles. Life gets in the way. God, you would have us to keep going further on this journey, to never stop and be content, to never turn around and go back, God, but to keep going forward. Father, would you work in our hearts? Would you reveal to us where you would have us be, where you would have us to grow? Father, where we are lacking. Would you put people in our lives that can help us in our struggles, help us in our daily lives? God, would you give us a heart for your word, a heart to be near you in prayer? Father, we would take one more step towards Christ and pursue it like we would pursue any treasure. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.